0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Path 11 podcast with your hosts, Mike and April. Our show includes interesting guests who are here to talk about subjects like consciousness, ghosts, paranormal activities, lucid dreaming, astral projection you name it, we're covering all the hot topics of new age stuff. We would love to interview people and talk about subjects that you definitely want to hear about, so please feel free to send us a message, post on our Facebook page, or even tweet us a suggestion at our Twitter handle, The Path Series. So this week's guest is Brenda Jenks. She is such a fun, warm-hearted, loving lady. And um, we actually, I personally met Brenda and kind of brought her into the Path 11 Productions films. Back in, I think I met her in 2007. I was living in Boston Spa at the time, and I was taking as many non-credit classes that you could take on meditation, aura drawings, aura interpretations, and things like that, So that's when I was kind of really getting into my own spirituality and exploring. And Brenda was teaching an aura drawing class at Saratoga Springs New York High School. So I signed up, and it was a non-credit that they offer, And I met her and I loved her and I loved her energy and learned about what she did. And then, Mike, when you came and approached me and we were trying to figure out, well, who do we want to interview? Who would be a good person to talk about some of this stuff of ghosts and energy and auras and life after death? I thought about this woman that I had met that just had such amazing energy and I knew that she was into all this. And that's kind of how Brenda came about.
1: Yeah, I think she was the first person we actually contacted. Be part of the film and I remember we we met uh, I think we had coffee in Saratoga um, a few weeks before the filming just to figure out who she was and she wanted to meet us and uh, yeah I, I thought she was you know great you know um, she brought out her little uh, pendulum with the crystals and
0: yep, the dowser
1: yeah it was very cool and I learned a lot and um, I really liked her interview and uh, and then now again with interviewing her again for the podcast i thought you know you you learn something every every time when you talk to her and uh yeah she's also has at least compared to the way i am she has a slightly different take on things which i I find very interesting and I, i like just talking to her about what she sees and deals with on a daily basis
0: yeah, I remember it was great. We were sitting there in that coffee shop, and here's you know Brenda, and she's scanning the coffee shop. We're asking her questions, and she said, "Well, let me bring out my pendulum." And you know, so we're all sitting here, and Mike and I were kind of like, "Okay, what's happening?" Here's this woman; she's spinning the crystal, spinning. There's just random people around us looking over at us at our table, and I also remember she did our numerology when um, we told her why we decided to call our production company Path 11. She ended up doing our numerology and I remember you were an 11 in numerology and I was a 9.
1: Yes. And it was right around the same time or maybe a little bit before I started having the 1111 11 clock uh
0: phenomenon, phenomenon
1: whatever yeah whatever you call it. And I just I was seeing that nonstop and that was right at the peak of of all that is when we met her and she kind of explained how that worked. <laughs>
0: Right. All right. So I guess before we bring her on, let us just give you a little more background about who Brenda is. You can find her in our first film, The Path Afterlife. And uh, Brenda has been working in the field of complementary holistic health care for over 20 years now. She's a member of the Saratoga Integrative Practitioners Network, as well as a Reiki practitioner at Massage Saratoga. She's been practicing Tibetan black hat feng shui since 1995 and consulting and teaching since 1997. She's taught and lectured at Johnsburg Public Library, Caldwell Public Library, Adirondack Community College, Mechanicville Public Library, Bennington College, Saratoga Continuing Education Classes, which is where I met her, and Key to Joy Wellness Center in Niskiuna. Space clearing and dowsing are an important aspect of her work in clearing private homes, hospitals, businesses, battlefields, and historical sites. In the field of real estate, she assists homeowners and brokers by energy clearing, feng shui staging, and helping the seller let go emotionally to bring about a positive outcome.
1: So here's our interview with Brenda.
0: Hello, we'd like to welcome Brenda Jenks to our show today. Brenda was a cast member of our first film, The Path Afterlife. And how are you doing, Brenda? I am doing wonderful. How are you doing? Good. So good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Yes, it has.
1: Yeah, it's been a couple years since we talked to you last. You came to our uh, screenings that we had in New York. and It was always good to talk with you, you know, before and after the, the screening. And you were able to... Uh, help take questions from the audience, which was very helpful. Have you gotten any uh, feedback from the films at all?
2: Yes. Um, People are always interested when, when I meet people um, and they go to my website and they see about the video on there, they get real excited. They want to see it. They want to know about it. I think that the films answer a lot of questions that people have had and just didn't know who to ask. So it's really fun to have that resource for them.
0: Yeah. Anytime I, um, you know, speak to people about the impact of, The path after life. I actually just had a group of women that all got together and wanted to watch it. A lot of people always comment about your explanation of what soul groups are. That that part of the film, just with a lot of feedback that I've gotten, really seems to strike people if they've never heard it before, of hmm, that's an interesting way to think about how people are in my life. And, you know, makes them wonder, okay, are these people a part of my soul group? And are they here to teach me something? And that's that's always been one of my favorite. Parts of the movie. And just the way that you explained it was so, so great. And I think it's a part of the film that really hits home to people to take a look at their relationships in their life.
2: And, you know, people are doing a lot of self-examination and they're wondering why people are in their lives. And for them to know that we have soul families, for them to know that, gee, I did know that person before, um, it helps explain a lot. We always have a lot of questions when we're in that personal growth phase. So it's always fun to explain that to people.
1: And also, um, if, for those that haven't seen the films or, or don't know who you are, let's take a step back and um, maybe you can just explain how you, how you got involved with what you're doing now and uh, you know the history of your abilities, I guess you could say.
2: Well, I would say the history goes back to when I was a kid and always had feelings and really didn't, couldn't explain why I felt comfortable in some places and uncomfortable in other places and was always trying to understand why other people didn't feel what I felt. And so over the a course of a lifetime, through many experiences, many teachers, many wonderful books that are out there, I began to really start to get it And um, my feng shui was really key because feng shui is all about your environment and how it reflects. It's the outward reflection of who you are. And I began to really think about that. And then I learned to douse. And that was like the finishing touch. Then I could figure out what is really here. Why do I feel this way in this place? Um, or why does this person unsettle me? And being able to sort all that out through the many, many years of teachers, books, experiences, just kind of coalesced. And I think that's the way for a lot of people. They, we learn a lot of things that seem disconnected and random over the course of a lifetime. And then all of a sudden, it comes together. And it makes sense. And it becomes a part of who you are. So I feel like I've got this toolbox that kind of is a hybrid of, of all of the things over the course of a lifetime that I've learned, and now I can apply that every
0: day. And it's fun. And what are you doing now in your work? I know um, when we spoke, you said that it's really changed since the first film came out, and you're doing a lot more stuff with clearing some energies. Do you want to go into that a little bit?
2: Sure. Um, I could not have envisioned 10 years ago or 15 years ago what I would be doing now. But then life is always an adventure as far as I'm concerned. Um, I work very hard now. I go to multiple locations at the present time all over the state. Um, I assess what's going on in the environment of the home or the business or the land and sort out um, earthbound spirits, um, dark energies, geopathic stress, vortex energies, and basically sort out these various anomalies and determine right course of action to make the energy right again, and then to help the people involved to understand what it is they were dealing with, to understand, no, they're not going crazy, Um, to understand that this is not like a TV show, Ghost Hunters kind of a thing. That's Hollywood. In the real world, it's not quite like that. And so it's kind of a fun adventure each time to find out what I'm going to find there. How can I help the people understand what was going on? And then how can we heal it, heal it, heal the energy, and then heal the people? And it's, it's always challenging, but it's, and it's never dull. I can tell you that. And I'm finding that there's no hard, fast rules in this work. You have to go in with a completely open mind. You have to understand that there are all different kinds of realities and perceptions that you can't get stuck in your old ideas of reality and perceptions because almost anything is possible. Going in that way, it helps you to sort it out, um, figure it out, and then find a course of action. So it's it's totally great work. I totally love it. People think I'm a little nuts, but that's all right. I'm having a good time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can you give us an example of maybe, um, you know, a story of a certain house or property that you went in and cleared that was pretty impactful so people can get an idea of you know, what your day actually looks like. What does it mean that you're clearing energy? What are your clients kind of complaining about? Why are they calling you? What is it in their place that they need um, to clear or to get rid of or what's making them feel fearful or uncomfortable?
2: Okay. Um, Quite often people tolerate strange things happening in the house for quite a while before they break down and call somebody or, or seek help. I just worked with someone in Plattsburgh, um, a, a wonderful couple and their daughter, and they talked about the dog being terrorized by something they couldn't see. They couldn't understand what was going on with this poor dog. This poor dog was just always afraid and always having anxiety issues, And but they thought It was just the dog. And so they let this go for a while. And then they found that the smoke detectors began to go off in the house for no reason. And then they would find doors open that shouldn't have been open. Doors they knew they locked. And then light bulbs blowing and things like that. And finally realized it's more than just the dog having the anxiety problem. And quite frankly, I think most animals don't have anxiety problems. They have issues with energy that are going on in the house. And so finally, they got a hold of me and I went up there and it was an amazing kind of a a toxic energy place that I had to sort out. There was a vortex. there There was stuff going on. There were negative entities that were just tormenting that dog. And the nice thing about our pets is that they will try to intercede for us. They will actually take on the negative entity rather than you getting it. And sometimes it can be very detrimental to their health, but they're just doing their job. So I was really glad to get up there, sort it out, explain to them what was going on, explain they weren't crazy. and take those energies and remove them or transmute them so that these people could have a normal life again and this poor dog could be calm and happy again. So that was a really fun one for sure. A lot of stories are similar in that way. If there's pets in the house, people should be paying attention to how their pets are reacting, especially if they're doing something like barking at the corner and there's nothing there or or, you know, exhibiting these anxiety symptoms. But sometimes it's a matter of they hear noises, doors close and open, they hear footsteps. Um, A lot of people experience what we call the paralyzation, when you're lying in bed and suddenly you feel pressure on your chest and you feel like you can't speak and you feel like something is holding you down. That's a very common symptom of something in the house that needs to be removed and that happens often and people sometimes think they're having a heart attack or they think they're being attacked but there's no one there so that's one of my most common symptoms i think that people experience and that's usually when they will finally reach out and call somebody so it's all fun now
1: these uh, like negative entities that you talk about. Where do you think they come from? I know that's probably for you. That's probably a simple question, but is it somebody that had previously passed in the house, or is it just you know what? This is a-
2: usually it is not a ghost. Ghost, pretty much, yeah. They'll they'll pull some hijinks, but they usually don't have negative intentions. They usually just want to be noticed. These negative entities that I'm referring to seem to be parasitical, is the best way I can put it. They seem to drain us and feed off our energy. Um, You find people who, for example, have an addiction problem or they're mentally ill or they have a long-term illness that they're suffering from. The negative entities seem attracted to them as if that's an easy feed. I don't know. That's the only way I can characterize it. I don't believe that most of them have ever been human. I just, I think it's just another kind of life form and, um, that it looks for the weak or the weakness because even really strong, healthy spiritual people can pick them up from time to time just by virtue of the fact that they're in the vicinity Um, I guess for me, the most important thing is educating people on the fact that there are unseen entities. They do exist. Um, And so we shouldn't assume that there's nothing there.
1: Have you ever noticed or ever run into a situation where The owners of the house were actually, in some sort of subconscious way, haunting their own house?
2: Well, now that's a very interesting question. What I have found, and this has only been in the last two or three years that I have sorted this out, is that sometimes people are being haunted by their own soul fragment. And what that means is, in some past lifetime, they left behind a ghost, a piece of themselves is what I call that. A soul fragment. And that soul fragment wanders around until the person is incarnated again, and it looks for something familiar to attach to. And so the life stream of the person incarnated again is familiar because it is the same life stream. So it will attach itself to that person. So for example, someone who commits suicide, They leave behind a soul fragment because the suicide soul fragment can't get to the other side without help. And that suicide will wander around looking to cling on to its life stream. It'll find the reincarnated embodiment of itself. It'll haunt that person and that person will begin to have suicidal thoughts. They'll begin to take on and blend with that fragment. And I think this is how people commit suicide again and again. I think it's because of that haunting of the first time that they did it. And I I found there's other examples of soul fragments haunting their life stream. Um, People who have been in a past life subject to terribly negative life, um, some sort of a a slave or a victim or something like that, they will find their life stream reincarnated and attached to it and cause that person to go into a state of depression. And that person won't know why. There doesn't seem to be any real reason for that person to be depressed or that person to have um, these anxiety or depression issues. And it turns out that they're being haunted by their own soul fragment. So this is something that I'm finding more and more, and I feel like at this time on the planet, a lot of this stuff needs to be cleared, so it's bubbling to the surface, kind of like um, Mother Nature's tired of hanging on to all this old energy, so she's kind of shaking it loose, and and I think people's soul streams are anxious now to clean up all that old stuff it's like it's like cleaning out the garage almost it's like gee we've carried this stuff dragging to us like I don't know Marley's ghost carrying all of his chains and his money boxes I think we've dragged that around long enough and I think what's happening now is that um, humanity or at least many segments of humanity now are trying to uplift that and detach from that and clean it up so they can move forward. And I hope that makes sense.
1: Yes, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Now, I've seen your work. We we actually did shoot a little bit of video a couple years ago where you were cleaning a house or space clearing a house. Can you describe the process to somebody who has never seen that done before?
2: Oh, Let me think. I begin to pay attention when I'm about a mile away from any space that I am going to clear. I begin to just sort of pay attention to how I feel. Um, Sometimes I feel as I enter a property as if I am driving into cobwebs that I can't even see or I'm, I'm feeling a tingling all over. So I say, hmm, there's something here for sure. Um- As I approach the house, I keep my eyes and ears open, maybe not for what I'm going to see physically or hear physically, but it's almost like I turn on my sensors and I begin to sense things. And as a dowser, I begin to douse things. Um, I use a pendulum. Um, I count on my guides to give me information. If I get a hit or a question, then I will ask yes or no. Um, And quite often it'll be what I already know, but I want to confirm it. I don't want to make a mistake. And I take an assessment according to what I'm feeling. I ask a series of questions that are pretty basic, um, such as, Is there underground moving water here? Because water is a conductor and energy follows lines, the easiest lines of transmission. So, water, metal, places like that carry energy easier. And then I ask, you know, do I have a vortex here? Meaning, and a vortex is basically an energy tornado. And if indeed there is one there, then Quite often, what a vortex does, just the way a tornado does, is it picks up debris. It picks up things around and then brings them in and it just swirls them around and around and around. So that's when I know I have one of those. then I have to ask the series of questions. What's caught in this tornado and how do I remove it? And so I take care of that, collapse it, restructure it so that it will no longer be what it was before. If I don't have a vortex, then I ask, um, do I have soul fragments here, which are basically ghosts? Um, If indeed there are, I get a count of how many, and then I make sure that they are escorted to the other side so that they are no longer stuck being a ghost. And then I ask if there are negative entities, and I call them demons. I don't have any problem with that word. Um, And there are several different grades of demons some of them are just simple creatures like a tick or a leech they just kind of glom on and feed and then there are more complicated ones that have a little more intelligence or a little more negative intent um and i sort out what's there and then step by step remove them put them in the violet flame so that they're transmuted um and make sure that they are being processed so that they no longer exist in that form because that form is detrimental to our well-being. So we change their form. My recent work has developed where we are finding some hybrids, which is a very interesting thing. We're finding that in some cases, demons have interbred, shall we say, because demons can take on physical form, and we're finding some hybridizations, and so they have to be treated a little bit differently, and we're working on that right now. We're trying to figure out the best way to deal with these other things that seem to be coming to the surface, and I see it all as just a necessary next step in a clearing level. It's like refinishing a floor. You take the top layer and you sand it off, and then maybe you need to take another layer and sand that off. And sooner or later, you're going to get down to the wood where there's nothing There's nothing there that isn't what you want, and then you can refinish it. And I feel like that's what this work is like. there's There's layers that are being brought to the surface to be cleared so that the energy can be better, and I hope that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. I was thinking back, uh the one time we were talking, you had mentioned how and I'm assuming this is probably more the the more intelligent entities or demons, at the time you kinda described them as like immature teenagers.
2: Oh um, the poltergeist yeah. They're
1: just Okay. Is there no am I confusing this with something else that you were talking about?
2: Well Poltergeist, I see as this group of immature teenagers that broke into the liquor cabinet. They kind of are, they, they group together, they're a gang, they're real confident when they're all together, because they're with their buds and they can do whatever they want to do. Um, yes, they have more intelligence than the simple demon forms. However, there is another level I call them generals because basically they tell the other ones what to do. And they seem to be the most malevolent. They seem to have a great deal more sophistication. Um, And I always know when I'm going to be dealing with them because if I suddenly feel sick, within a half an hour, I'll get a phone call from someone who wants me to come and clear their space. Well, I've already been attacked, so I know that there's generals there because the generals will try to stop me from coming. They're smart enough to do that, whereas the lesser ones, they don't know. They don't care. They're just existing. Um, yeah, the generals are the nasty ones, and those are the ones that are kind of on top of things, and they want to stay on top, and they'll do whatever they can to stay on top. And they're very clever, and they kind of appear in different forms. Um, They will try to choose a form that people would love and trust. They'll try to inhabit someone who looks pretty innocent, but usually their behavior betrays them. And, um, And certainly their mode of operation will betray them sooner or later. They can't hide forever. They're kind of masters of disguise. They don't want to be found. But um, that's my job, to find them.
0: And are you referring to that with um, possession, where a general is actually somebody that's possessing another human entity? Yes, quite often that is the case.
2: And what I have found is this will happen... Depending on the soul, depending on the person, if some soul over the course of many lifetimes has traded away their humanity piece by piece for power, uh, think of someone like, like a Hitler, for example. I mean, he didn't just instantly become evil in one lifetime. He probably had a series of lifetimes where he traded away good choices for bad and became less and less connected to the human race, less and less compassionate, less and less connected to his emotional body. Um, And that is a perfect example of someone that a general was literally inhabiting him and by invitation because he wanted the power. And power is a very seductive thing So you have to wonder when somebody's power hungry, what's really going on there? And quite often, there can be a general involved in someone like that. The other case where I've seen them step in is when someone, I had this actually happen, um, a young lady that had abused drugs for some time. She had OD'd and landed in an alleyway somewhere, probably nearly died. She was brought to me about a year after she was found and had given up drugs and everything with voices in her head and things and the voices telling her to do bad things and just tormenting her. and I had to to, to sort of separate him from her. and this was before I really knew how to douse because dowsing makes it so much easier. I had to I had to dialogue with this thing and I had to to sort of love him out of her. I kept telling him that I loved him and that he was beautiful and he got real mad. And, you know, I was just pouring light on him and he was like, I have a right to this body. She would have died. This is my body now. I have a right to it. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. And I love you. And eventually he got so mad that I drove him out of her. And then was able to clear him as he just couldn't stand the love. And they really don't like light. They really don't like love. And so that's always our best weapon. That and the violet flame. Those are the best weapons.
1: Now, do you do uh, a form of like protection for yourself?
2: Absolutely. I cannot do my work without it. I use a series of things. The most important thing is the triple grid. However, I have expanded it to be a quintuple grid. And basically it's done by the legions of Michael. The first layer of the grid is a spin out grid. And you spin out everything that you don't want in your energy field. And it's really, it's quite a beautiful process. And you spin it out in both directions. And then the second layer you infuse with everything that you do want, like love, peace, harmony, balance, victory, clear communication with spirit. Um, You come up with all kinds of um, positive infusions. The third layer is the harmonization. It's circle security. You want to harmonize with all upper grid works. Then what I've done lately, just because of the amount of activity, is I add a big band of pink around the outside because that's going to keep stuff further away that doesn't like love. And then I have a golden shield around that. So it's really a five layer grid. And it's something that I renew every day, I have a crystal that I have infused with the pattern, with the energetic pattern. And I just put the crystal in my hand and I go, please renew my grid. There are other methods. This one works best for me. I usually if I've done a space clearing in a in a home or a location that has a tendency, tendency to attract toxicity, like a nursing home, like a hospital, um, a graveyard, battlefield, places like that, I will infuse a crystal and leave it there. And somebody will be in charge of renewing that grid every day. When I first started doing triple grids, they lasted a good two or three weeks, but now we find that I think it's the level of activity kind of is like a, a computer virus that keeps changing itself, mutating to try to beat the system. So it's almost like my protection things, I have to keep changing them so I can stay ahead of them trying to beat the system. I have to keep the system upgraded, I guess you'd say. Um, So it becomes very important. and And I teach a lot of people protection techniques because there are a lot of people right now who are becoming more and more aware and more and more sensitive and more and more psychic. And so in their awareness, they need to also have protection because you can't have one without the other. You don't want to be vulnerable. You want to be empowered. And so really protection is empowerment. That's
0: what I do. And about how many clearings a week or a year or a month do you, are you doing?
2: Well, January, holy crap, I think I did 20. February was a little bit slower. I'm ramped right back up again. I'm probably going to do 25 this month. And that's a lot, if you think about it. It's pretty labor-intensive. Most people don't realize it, but if I do two clearings in a day, that's that's a lot of work. How long do your clearings last? You know, it depends on, on the clearing. By the time I drive where I'm going... Sit and talk with people and assess what's going on, do the clearing, and then talk with them again and then leave. It's probably, you know, three, four, five hours sometimes. Depends. Um, I would say start to finish the average is maybe three hours. But like I said, if I have to drive to Plattsburgh or Canterbury or somewhere like that,
0: it's going to be longer. Well, I'm pretty amazing to hear that you're doing it so much. You know, obviously there's a need for it. If somebody had never heard about this before, they might think, oh, is, is this really happening? Or are there that many people that need this clearing? But it sounds like you're very busy.
2: I am. Um, it's, it's really gotten steadily busier. And I think, well, maybe it is partly because of these things don't have the stigma that they used to have. People used to be afraid to speak up about something that they thought was going on in their house because they thought people would say they were crazy. But I think that in this day and age, it's not like that anymore. People aren't afraid to speak up about something. And with all of the media and, you know, just the internet and everything else, it's a good thing. Because people can talk about it, learn about it, share with each other, support each other, and find solutions. So why not? I think it's a very
0: good thing. And how do you feel you gain credibility in this type of field of work? Because I'm sure that you probably bump up against a lot of skeptics, you know, you know, I'm in the field of mental health counseling and, you know, I could just hear some of my colleagues probably saying, no, you know, psychosis is definitely a real mental illness of the brain. And, you know, they will go for more of the clinical description as to what, why a person is hearing voices and just hearing that, you know, story that you gave us just a little while ago, as opposed to somebody that is working with energies and knowing how it can affect the body. So I'm just curious to know, how do you continue to build credibility in this field to maybe, um, you know, work on some of that skepticism that there is out there about the work that you do?
2: Results speak for themselves. The results are there. Word of mouth is there. I actually have two or three psychotherapists who re- regularly send me their tough cases. I do work on them soul fragment work, and things like that, send them back, and then they actually have a shot at getting better, especially things like chronic depression or chronic anxiety. If When I can find something in their energy field that is feeding that disharmony or disorder and make it right, then I can send them back to their psychotherapist and they can make progress. So, it's really about results. Um there's no way you can just sell this on a street corner. It's not like selling cookies. It's it has to be result oriented. It has to be it has to be word of mouth. Um it's 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 even difficult to describe to a stranger. They have to experience it. And you know, most most things, it has to be that way. It has to be experiential. And that's all right. And I can take the criticism if it comes my way. It's all good in my world.
1: I remember back a little bit, you had talked about uh, helping somebody sell their house. I guess the house was on the market for so many years. And uh, you came in, did your space clearing and Within, I think, a few weeks, that it had sold. Can you talk about that? And has there been any others like that?
2: Yes, actually, that happens at least two or three times a year. Someone will, you know, out of desperation, they've tried everything else, they call me in, and usually I can find something that really feels wrong and take care of that energy. You know people when they are shopping for a house. Believe it or not, and and most real estate people will tell you this, almost the instant they walk in the door, the person knows whether or not they want the house. They will they'll they'll walk through it, they'll do all the talking, but they almost know immediately if it feels right or if it feels wrong. And even people who don't believe in you know, psychic things or sensitive things. That is how they buy houses. People buy houses on gut. And what I can do is change that initial reaction that the person has when they step into the home or they step up to the home. They're already getting feedback. Their energy field is already picking up stuff. energies from the house. So it's my job to make the energies of that house interface with the person's energy field in a positive way. So removing anything that would be a glitch to that positive interaction. I just, I did a house remotely, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I was hired to, I'd never seen the house. Um, I did space clearing through pictures and over the phone with her the house went on the market on a Tuesday and the contract was signed on Friday so it was like wow and the woman was almost like you did this too fast you should have given us a couple of weeks but I can't control that houses have energy they have life Um, they are infused with the energy of the people who live there or whatever happened in that house Maybe there was a murder in that house. You know, quite often that energy is literally sunk into the walls of the house. And to be able to clear that means when all the predecessor energy has been removed, the person who is the prospective buyer can walk into the house and it can feel like theirs because there's no other energetic imprint there. They can imagine themselves there. And that's what's really going on. They're trying to imagine themselves living in that space. And if there's anything else there, they're not going to be able to do that. So it really works very well. And I, actually, I'm doing a talk at a, at a realty place uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be doing uh, a seminar at Better Way Realty in Southlands Falls. They've asked me to do, stage your home to sell with feng shui, impress buyers by improving your home's energy. I'm very glad to be able to do that because um, people don't know how to sell their house energetically. They People are very proud of their homes and they're very attached to their homes. Um, their homes become a part of them. But to sell a house, you want the home to not have a connection or a personality attached to the previous owners. You want it to be a blank slate so that you can imagine yourself living there. So what I will be talking about is how to stage your home for sale from a feng shui perspective, from an energetic perspective, which means things like removing all personal (laughs) photos, things like reducing the amount of books on a shelf by half, removing half of things from all the closets, reducing your furniture by half. It's really, really a matter of creating a clean slate, both energetically and visually so that people can imagine their own possessions fitting in that space. They can imagine, um, that this place could be theirs. It could have their personality attached to it. Um, they want to feel completely welcome and completely like this could be my home. And that combined with, you know, removing predecessor energy, removing any negative energies or entities that might be there, um, creating a welcome, safe, inviting feeling for prospective buyers and it's really a lot of fun, and it really works very well. And, and let's face it, nobody wants their house to be on the market for very long. If it's to sell, they want it to sell quickly. And so we help people do
0: that.
1: Now, Brenda, you, you talk about you use the pendulum. You ask it questions. Now, are you hearing an answer, or are you seeing, or is it more of a sensing? You know what? Ability.
2: I can actually get information many different ways. Usually it's a knowing, and it's a knowing even before the pendulum gives me the answer. But there's some subtleties to dowsing that are very interesting. If I am dowsing to get a general to go into the violet flame, my pendulum will whack me in the wrist, which is totally interesting they don't go without a fight. Um, when I'm in the middle of a large vortex, the pendulum will swing very, very, very wide. It'll be a very high level of energy. When I haven't asked a question specific enough, I'll get a maybe. I don't get maybes very often, but the maybe means I have to stop and rethink and rephrase or break it into two parts, or something like that, Um, and my guides are really very good about letting me know, and sometimes the answer will come right out of my mouth, and I don't even, I didn't even think it. That's always fun when that happens. I'm like, really, did that come out of my mouth? But it'll be the right answer, so it's all good. So dowsing is a very, very important important part of what I do no doubt about it
1: now do you do any work with dreams do you work with your dreams or do you analyze other people's dreams
2: I do somewhat however I would not say that was the main my main focus people ask me all the time sometimes I can get the general theme I think I'm better with my own Um, I pretty much know what's going on in my dreams and I know why And I just kind of go with it. It's like I'm working when I'm sleeping. But I usually encourage them to go to someone who's really, really good at dream analysis. I mean, we can all dabble in it, but it's not my specialty.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't ever ever remember asking you about dreams. I just had to ask you. And I know you, at least you used to do a lot of Reiki and past life regression.
2: You know, passive progression seems to be a really important part of my work continually because I still have regular clients who come to my office. Um, Reiki, it's amazing. I I still get one or two Reiki clients a week, even though it's not my main focus, and I still enjoy teaching it. There's no doubt about it. Um, It's probably, probably, I'm sure April will agree with me on this. It becomes so incorporated in who you are that you almost don't separate it out necessarily. Um, It's part of your foundation. So yeah, Reiki is still very, very important. There's no doubt about it. And I would agree with you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll have to have you back on to just talk about Reiki and then another show just to talk about the past life regression because we can go on for hours oh, yeah. on that, those subjects
2: that would be great fun
1: it was great having you on the show now how how can people in the new york area get can get a hold of you
2: well they can always um go to my website which is feng shui bcj.com or they can call me at 518-321-5940 or they can actually go on facebook and they can find me either as Brenda Jenks or as Feng Shui with Brenda.
1: Okay. And uh, we'll, we'll make sure that those links and the phone numbers in the uh, show notes. Okay. Um, as well. Uh, is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? No,
2: I'm I'm very thankful to have been a part of the Path production and I think that the work that you guys are doing is terrific and may it continue.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. It's always so great to talk to you. you. All right. You guys have a great day. So if this is your first time learning about Path 11 Productions and you want to know more about what we do, please feel free to visit our website at thepathseries.com. We are also on Facebook and our Facebook page is the Path Documentary Series. We also have a Twitter handle, the past series and our dvds are available to purchase on our website amazon we're also streaming our films on guy mtv vimeo and itunes we really hope you enjoy today's show